Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. The questions keep coming in, so I wanted to devote another episode of Love and Life to answering your questions. The first two are about dating, and the final question asks how do we deal with ongoing conflict in marriage? And because it has to do with marriage, you know I have to loop in my husband, Dan, so sit tight. The third question, we get the male perspective. Another Love and Life Q&A episode is up after this. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. And we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. First question. Hi, Dr. Karen. I love your page and your IGTV videos. I've been seeing a guy since the beginning of lockdown. We had six Zoom dates and text most days. Last week, we finally managed to meet up and it was really nice. He's been a little quieter since we met and my old insecurities are creeping back in. I've been through my fair share of heartbreaks. He has said he's busy with work, but hasn't planned another get together. When someone is quieter than they used to be, should you pull back too? I'm getting conflicting advice from friends. Some warn me not to become cold on him, but I'm worried I will be too full on if I continue to text. Any advice you have would be great, as these early stages are hard to navigate. Early stages are absolutely hard to navigate, and they're very anxiety-provoking. You mentioned that your old insecurities have started to creep in. And I would just say the only person who isn't insecure when dating, especially in the early stages, is someone who married their middle school sweetheart and never had to date, really. So this is very normal and psychologists can't cure normal. But we can alleviate some of the insecurity by looking at the thoughts we're having that are fueling those feelings of insecurity. So, for example, in the early days, you may be having thoughts like, I really hope he likes me or, oh, I hope this relationship works because I'm so exhausted. I can't go through another heartbreak. And those kinds of thoughts are going to exacerbate insecurity. So we take charge of our thoughts, take charge of our life by doing a cognitive shift toward a more empowering thought process behind the dating, even in these early days. Instead of, oh, I hope he likes me, we go, hmm, It'll be interesting to see if I end up liking him. 
remembering that it's about you gathering information about him, about him showing you the man he is and you deciding whether or not he is good enough for you. That's a very powerful mindset shift and it's an empowered way of approaching dating. And when you make that shift, it will automatically alleviate some of those insecurities. So no surprise, my first recommendation is to examine your thoughts, identify any disempowered thoughts, and replace them with empowered thinking. And I talk a little bit more about this in last week's episode in which I talk about breakups and one way to manage the disappointment that comes along with breaking up time and time again is to get our minds right in terms of our philosophy of dating and the realities that we know are part of dating. One of them being what we just talked about, that dating's anxiety provoking, but that we can approach it from a more empowered position by taking charge of our thoughts. So check back to that episode if that would be helpful at this time. My second point for you He mentions that he's busy with work. Now, two things could be going on. One, he could be using that as an excuse. Of course, we know that's possible. Two, he really is busy with work. And this is another opportunity for you to observe who he is, who he's demonstrating himself to be. Is this someone who, when work gets crazy, he can't manage anything else in his life? He can't juggle things. He has a problem with work and life balance. This is all important information for you to be gathering. Yes, it's early days. And because you've only been on six Zoom dates and then you met up one time, he doesn't owe you a whole lot of attention at this point. You're still just getting to know each other. You're not exclusive. You're not his girlfriend. So this is not the time to be upset about it or upset about how he's treating you because you don't have that position in his life yet. But it is the time for you to get a feel for who he is, how he handles stress, how he handles his work life, how he handles his personal life. This is all valuable information for you to be gathering. Now, to answer your direct question, when someone is quieter than they used to be, should you pull back too? And the short answer is yes. And I know your friends are fearful that you will appear cold and you're concerned that if you keep texting that you will be too full on. And the reason I say yes, pull back a little bit. One, when I was dating, I liked to provide a little space, especially in the early stages. I liked the man to pursue me. It made me feel safer. It helped me be less vulnerable in the early days. And it doesn't have to be cold, not at all. And in fact, We talk about this in my conversation with Dr. Duana Welch, the author of Love Factually in episode 92 of the podcast. And she looks at the evolutionary psychology behind why men like to pursue. We kind of know this in our guts, but as empowered women, we say things like, I don't want to play any games. If I'm feeling what I feel, I want to say it. I don't want to have to play hard to get, but it's not playing hard to get. It's being hard to get. You are a prize. You are high status. A man should have to work to earn your attention and your affection and your heart. So there's the science behind it, which again, if you want to explore that more deeply, please check out episode 92. And then there's also the protecting your heart element of it, which was why I preferred to let the man come to me and initiate the texting and initiate the let's get together and all of the above, 
It was a way for me to protect myself and protect my heart. But this doesn't mean we're cold. So there's no need to have the fear that your friends have that by you pulling back a bit, it's going to appear that you're being cold. Here's how this works. So the next time he texts, and maybe even if he says something like, oh, still so busy with work, sorry, you can respond warmly, genuinely with something like, hey, great to hear from you. I'm sorry to hear that work has been so crazy for you. I really enjoyed meeting up. Would love to do it again sometime when your work schedule permits. This is warm. It's friendly. It communicates that you're interested in him and interested in the relationship that you two were building. But it also communicates that you want to do more of the in-person meeting as opposed to getting caught up in a textationship. Which, as a high-status woman on the dating scene, you are not interested in participating in textationships. Question number two. Why would a man lie about his feelings? I've been dating this guy for almost one year, and we spend two or three days together every month. He does not follow me on any social media, yet he says he loves me, but does not show it. He never gives me anything, and we just hang out in his car. I always feel like he values his freedom and his friends more than me. Sometimes I feel like I'm a pain when I ask him to stay longer. I don't understand what he wants from me. When he comes, we just talk, listen to music, and then he's on his phone most of the time. I might be too insecure, but something doesn't feel right. We have a huge lack of communication, and he just doesn't understand. So I don't understand either. Mostly, I don't understand why you are staying in something like this. It's so unsatisfying. You spend time with him two or three days a month. He says he loves you. A man who loves a woman spends more time with her than two or three days a month. He follows her on social media. He doesn't just hang out with her in a car and then, for the most part, hang out on his phone when he's hanging out with her. None of this is okay. You know it in your gut. I'm not sure what is even so appealing. I know how it's hard to let go of a relationship after a year together, but you don't even see this guy that much to even be getting that much out of it. So I'm curious, and I would encourage you to ask yourself, what is in it for you? You're not being treated right. It probably hurts more to be with him than without him because when you're with him, he's on his phone. When you ask him to stay longer, you feel like you're being a pain and that you're annoying him. That's painful. I don't get what you're getting out of this at all. When you mention that there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of everything. This relationship doesn't have any legs to stand on. You deserve so much better. You deserve to be treated properly. Like we talked about in the prior question, you need to present yourself on the dating scene as a high status woman. And again, I think Dr. Duana Welch's episode would be very helpful for you too. My recommendation is to just stop communicating with him entirely. When he texts you next time, just reply with a simple, sorry, I can't meet up with you. I wish you the best. And then move on. There's nothing to salvage here. He says he loves you because he's able to get what he wants, which is two to three times a month hanging out with you. And he clearly is not showing you through his behavior that he loves you. So to answer your initial question, why would a man lie about his feelings? Because it got him exactly what he wanted. 
but you have nothing that you want out of this relationship. So you don't even owe him any kind of explanation as to why you're cutting things off. And I would also recommend that you listen to my podcast episode about closure, why it's so hard to get and give. It's episode 69. And the reason I suggest this episode is because you mentioned that there's this lack of communication. So my concern is that instead of cutting things off, you might want to try to get answers from him as to why he says he loves you, but he doesn't act like he loves you, or why doesn't he love you enough to give you what you need in a relationship or have a legitimate relationship with you. And this would just be a waste of time. For a year, he has shown you who he is, and it's not enough for you, period. End of story. Love yourself enough to do the hard thing now, which is to cut him off, cut him out of your life. Do not waste your time or your energy or your breath having multiple exit interviews that aren't going to go anywhere anyway, and they're just going to make you feel worse. Cut it off, block him, and move on. All your love and energy should be directed towards someone who can give that back to you and wants to give that back to you. That's what you deserve. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. I have a question. So there's always conflict in a relationship. How do you and your husband agree to disagree or come to a mutual agreement, especially when things are heated? It's always easy to walk away, sweep it under the rug, or give a cold shoulder. How do you maintain a healthy relationship yet still agree to disagree? So you're absolutely right. There is always conflict in a relationship. You cannot have two human beings decide to partner together through life for many, 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 many years and not have conflict. It would be a lie. We'd be inauthentic if we were in relationship and did not have disagreements. So to answer this question, I have two perspectives to share. One, I'll go to the research because... That's what psych nerds do. And two, I will loop in my husband because you did ask about our relationship in particular. So Dan has agreed to give his two cents to this question as well. So as far as the research goes, yes, absolutely. Conflict is unavoidable. It's part of marriage. And the Gottman state that from their research, 69% of problems in relationships will never be resolved. They will always exist. Couples will continue to grapple with them and have to figure out what we're, what we're going to do with them. Are we going to keep being combative? Are we going to keep bringing these issues to the table and hash them out? Or will we say, hmm, maybe we can love each other deeply, sincerely, intimately, and yet still disagree on certain issues? Okay, Dan. Your turn. Take it away. What do you think? I mean, because some of these issues are key and they're core and they feel very heated and intense. So how do we make it work? Well, first, I think we have to resist 
the temptation to be passive aggressive. Mm. Since we were kids, the first reaction is pouting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we now kind of call that as adults, passive aggressive, it's so easy to just kind of walk away or kind of punish your your partner with the silent treatment. That's what the Gottmans call stonewalling. And it is predictive of divorce. So you're very wise to bring that to our attention. Yeah. if, If we behave in that way, it can absolutely lead to divorce. Well, and in our particular situation, I think that. You know me, I'm someone that if I have something on my mind, then I can't not spit it. <laughs> he can't. He <laughs> right. just has to have the conversation. <laughs> but but on the other hand, over the years, I've tried to to do that more kindly and with a little more caution and calm. Not that we ever were ever in a heated argument. No. Um, but and then on your side, I think you're always really good at at making sure at the end of the day that that we've pretty much resolved our issues, that we both have mm-hmm. a peace of mind. As you mentioned, it may not be that we're agreeing mm-hmm. on everything, but we don't we never really go to sleep. I don't recall ever going to sleep where we were uh, mad at each other or we were you know, there was really angst that that we lost sleep over. Yeah. And that's one of the things that people say. They always say, don't go to bed angry. And I think that's an important point. But sometimes also I don't think it's the worst thing to say, just let let me sleep on it. And there's neuroscience that supports this, that when we are sleeping, we actually are reinforcing certain neural pathways that are helping us learn and helping us process and problem solve. So it's not the worst idea as long as you're not shutting down. Stonewalling is what the Gottmans call it, as I mentioned. And so as long as we're not shutting the partner out and just saying, hey, I need a moment to process. Right. And back to the sleeping on it, you know, a a new day sometimes brings a new perspective. For sure. And we all know that that sometimes it's not the best idea to make that late night phone call (laughs) or send that late night email. You know, you have a little new perspective. Suddenly when the sun comes up and you've slept on it and like you say, your neural pathways have have worked on it here and there. As you mentioned, if it's not festering and if, if it's not giving you angst and actually making you lose sleep then it's not a terrible idea, certainly, if it's not a big deal to uh, to sleep on it and think about it. Yeah, and let's talk about the big deals. Because as I was, I, I got this question, and of course I've been thinking about it over the last several days as I knew we wanted to address it on the podcast, and I knew I wanted your input, obviously, because this person's asking both of us. And part of me thinks we do align so much that I can't really think of any major big ticket items that, We don't agree on. And then I think people listening will be like, I hate you people. (laughs) But we do. And I and I do encourage the folks in my community to really think about that because I don't want to have big value fights, meaning how we socialize. So great example. This weekend, it's clear. We never have a weekend that's clear. And Dan texts me, What's going on this weekend? And we have one little event that's a a graduation party. And then in my head, I'm like, he's going to plan something. And I'm like, that's cool. Cause I like to socialize. <laughs> like we just don't have that thing where we, we both are very outgoing. We both have the same values about God and faith. We have the same values about politics. And that was something we actually came to the table from different angles, different size, but we love each other. And the person I love most in the world sees something this way. How can I not 
entertain that and then actually listen and then be persuaded to some degree. I, I really don't understand how, how some couples don't come to a common ground. Right, right. And, and certainly vice versa. Oh, yeah. So, so because we've, but we started with a lot of uh, money in the bank, so to speak, with our value alignment. So we, we knew going into it that we, we thought a lot alike. And yeah. then the things that we had a separation on, we've kind of come more into the middle, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. because I see your perspective and you see my perspective and we both try it. We're both lifelong learners. So we're always reading and listening to podcasts and, and watching, you know, different news stations and, and just trying to be informed and then form our opinions then. And, and I think now we're, we're able together to, to evaluate it together as almost kind of as a team, the information that we hear yeah. and process it like that, which is kind of fun. It's really fun. And when you were saying that, it, it caused me to think if someone's listening and they're single, look for someone who's curious. And yeah. you have very strong opinions and so do I. But we're not, like you said it, we're open-minded. And sometimes I think someone, if they met me, they'd be like, well, she's so opinionated. She's not open-minded. No, no, I'm very opinionated, but I'm always open to learn more and to enhance my understanding of any kind of topic. And you are too. So that's a very, I guess I would say it's underrated as far as a quality that people should be looking for in a partner. I agree. I was, I think somebody who thinks that they know it all or who has no curiosity about learning. Right. Neither one of those people would be people that uh, would be in our peer group because it's, I mean, you just, there's not that curious mind. And to me, that's a big part of life is just learning, learning every day and, and never being satisfied with what you know. And getting back to the initial question, it's the idea of, we don't have these major conflict areas, although the Gottmans say many, many couples do, most do, but we don't, because I think any area that was maybe an area where we disagreed, we've massaged it. We've had those conversations. We've been truly listening to one another and saying, you know, yeah, you're making a really good point. I think maybe some couples sometimes dig in their heels, so to speak. And, and I don't know what that's about. They forget they're on the same team and that kind of thing. Well, and certain things, certain things uh, there are right and wrong, but most of the world, let's, Let's face it, most of the world, there's a lot of in-between. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray area. And so if you're not willing to listen to your partner's perspective and actually be open-minded about it, then maybe that's not the right partner for you, or maybe you don't have the respect for that partner that you should. Yeah. I think that's really well put. And because many of my listeners are single, I do want them to make sure that they are drawing into their world someone who will respect them and you don't have to align in everything but you have to be kind and loving enough to say okay but if you feel that way there's got to be some merit to it right no i agree and i have to give you a lot of credit because and this veers into a related topic but for some of those folks out there who may end up in a step family When I entered the scene, we didn't realize that there would still be a lot of parenting that I would do. That wasn't something I anticipated. I always thought, oh, I'll be dad's wife. 
I won't be a stepmom per se. The kids are old enough. They're in high school and college, but there was a lot of stepmothering that ended up happening. And you were very open to my opinions because here I was part of the system now and definitely not coming from it from the position of a parent because a step parent isn't a parent, but certainly you're doing parenting. And I have to say that those were some kind of dicey moments that could have gone in a different direction if you hadn't been very open, like we spoke to earlier, to being very open to my vantage point, loving me and trusting me and believing I married this woman because I love her and I trust her intellect and I trust her sensibility and I trust her vantage point on things. And because you were open to that, that really strengthened our marriage. Not that it needed strengthening, but that was a place where there could have been a big crack in our marriage, and it wasn't. Sure. Well, I mean, one of the reasons that we got married is because I fell in love with not only your beauty, but your personality, your kindness, and your intellect. And so I would have been a fool, especially you being a psychologist and having your dissertation on on family dynamics. So it was it was really great timing, and and it was uh, and I. I wanted the advice. Yeah, and I think ultimately to answer this question and wrap it up, it's really about, yes, conflict is going to happen. And again, the Gottmans say some of this conflict will never be resolved. So if you're looking for a relationship that's conflict-free, that's not going to happen. But also for those of you who are on the dating scene and looking for a good fit, be very mindful of How do you, even in the early stages of dating or even in the first year or so, how do you negotiate conflict, even little disagreements? Just be reading that because you want to have someone who is open to working with you. Life is going to bring so many challenges your way. And, you know, I always say you want someone who's part of the solution, not part of the problem. And certainly my single ladies out there, you can handle life on your own. So if you're going to bring someone into your world to partner with you, let's have them be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And it brings me uh, to what Dr. Laura always says is choose wisely and treat kindly. I love that. It's just such brilliant, succinct, pithy wisdom. Thanks for joining me, honey. You're welcome, darling. There's probably going to be more questions for you in an upcoming episode. So you ready? You got this? I'll help where I can. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> the love and life hack for this week is, I think Dan said it, the Dr. Laura quote is perfect. Choose wisely and treat kindly. And that goes to the dating. Are we choosing a dating relationship wisely? Are we being treated well? Are we treating the person well? And certainly when we get into marriage, are we treating our partner kindly? So often people take each other for granted, which absolutely exacerbates some of the conflict that they're dealing with. We can level up in all realms of love and life by choosing relationships wisely and once we're in them, treating each other kindly. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. As always, I'm so glad to spend this time with you this week. An extra big thank you to those of you who've subscribed to the podcast and taken a moment to review it. It helps others find the podcast and it means so much to me. Thank you very much. And until next time, make it a great week.
Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram. <laughs>